Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. Hello again, and thank you again for listening in again. Um, I love sharing stories, so here we are. I have another one to share from a friend who is incredibly talented um, and is one of the top in his field, I would say, for uh, what he does, which is counseling, which I have long thought uh, that counselors and therapists are, are, are incredible and heroes and so incredibly valuable and needed in the world and made a huge impact on my life. So, um, my guest today is Aaron Moore, which I, I mean, I, I think he like, everyone knows of him, <laughs> but if you don't know of him, you should, cause he's a, um, Yes, a very talented therapist with a practice called Solace Counseling right here in Orlando, Florida. It is right around the corner from my home, um, and I do not go there, obviously, nor is he my my therapist, but um, he has done some really great work, and I'm, exci- I'm excited for you to be able to dig in and hear some of his story. And I think right now he has uh, a lot of really great words to say about the moment that we're in. We're a year and a half into this pandemic and it's still going. It's still a thing. We still have kind of a lot uh, that we are going through, even though things are like kind of back to normal, but really they're not. Um, and all that we hold in our bodies with that. Um, so he shared some incredible things, which I am glad to share with you. And he requested something very, very light. So there wasn't technically a real cocktail ish. Um, we just did probably an ounce and a half of Tito's a splash of lemon, a splash of lime, and then some tonic water that does have agave instead of sugar or high fructose corn syrup, which is my new favorite. It is from Q Tonics, I believe. I bought it from Publix. I should have looked at it um, again. But anyway, it's uh, it was really light and refreshing and no sugar, really. So um, that was that. As we wrap up the summer, who doesn't love, still love, a very light and refreshing drink. Enjoy this episode and uh, yeah, cheers. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by The Dinner Party Project. The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, We love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties. So if you have a birthday, anniversary, team building dinner, or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area, haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. 
For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. All right, Aaron Moore, thank you for being on my podcast. Stoked to do it. Thanks. Cheers. Uh, Salute. Cheers. I wish we were a little bit closer, but just the way the setup is. Uh, thanks for doing yeah. some day drinking. You're doing some day drinking. It is Friday afternoon. I'm done with work. Yes. And here we go. So today would be a bit of a, not, maybe not a total stretch to call it a cocktail, but you said you want something very light and refreshing with no sugar. Yes. So that's why we want Tito's a lemon lime situation and then some tonic water that has agave instead of sugar. And that's, it's working pretty well. Okay. Yeah. Right. I'm down. Super easy. Nice, breezy. Refreshing. Refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Speaking of cocktails, which is one of my favorite topics, I would love to know if you have a go-to drink or if there mm. is something that where you're like anywhere you order it, you just know that it's going to like deliver. Ooh, man. Um, Sadly, probably not like I don't have some fancy, fancy, fancy thing that's mm-hmm. always going to come through. Okay. Um, and, but I do love gin probably Same. more than most. Gin is probably yes. my thing. Okay. Um, and I kind of am like a, a gin and soda and orange juice guy. Okay. Yeah. Heavy on the orange juice. Heavy on the orange juice. Uh-huh. Gin and orange juice and like yeah. a soda water? Yeah, it's called orange blossom if it's just gin and orange juice. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Do I remember that right? This yeah. is great. This is like a new one for me. So I always love no, learning. Good gin with a little bit of orange what juice. What is what is your go-to good gin? Ooh. No, my go my go-to gin would probably just be a sapphire, but like a Hendrix or something's better. Yeah. So yeah. Hendrix is delightful. Yeah. 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 Okay. So great. Easy breezy. So sometimes you make this for yourself at home. Yes. Okay. Yeah. It sounds like a very easy end of the day. I'm like a citrus, like yes, citrusy stuff. Yes. So like light citrusy, if I'm going to drink cocktails, then it's usually kind of light and citrusy, Um, you know? So So that would be your drink, even if you order out somewhere. I mean, if I'm out somewhere, it's probably a beer. Um, Okay. If sure. Yeah. Yeah. if, If it's, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's probably a beer. Unless, I mean, you know, you go places now and they'll have some kind of amazing thing. Like we have places in town that have like amazing stuff on tap. Yeah. You know, and stuff like that where you're like, okay, that sounds amazing. I'm going to try it. And it's like delightful. So where would yeah. be maybe two to three spots around town Ooh. that you would fancy a drink? Man, um, because I live in kid world, that doesn't happen often. Um, <laughs> but man, um, I, I will say, I, I mean, I know we're talking cocktails, but I do have to say the amount of good breweries lately have really stepped up their game. Okay. So. Uh, I don't drink beer, so you can enlighten me. Yeah. In this world. I mean, Sideward is. Brewery? Yeah. Uh-huh. Sideward, Sideward Brewing is probably my favorite. Uh, it is literally like a quarter mile from where we sit. I have um, been there, but I have not had beer there. The beers are good. And then a quarter mile the other way from where we sit is um, Persimmon Hollow. And yes. they're very good. And then I went to Gatlin Hall, um, Gatlin Hall Brewing um, down on South Orange, right next door to the porch, which is mm. a great restaurant in its own right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Gatlin Hall was really cool. It was kind of the food hall type concept. And so they had a bunch of good drinks. And then they have like three different food counters inside. Okay. And Dekine Pokey is in there, which is always one of my favorites. I feel like 
Did the kind pokey move from the one downtown that yeah, was on that Market old hall on that Mills? Was there and it closed. Yeah. Right, because I've been to that one a couple times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then the other one is like kind of on the there's like a corner that's going into Winter Park. Yeah. On Orange. Somewhere up there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Yep. Is like a butcher. Yeah. By um Orlando Meats maybe. No. One of no. those. No. Orlando Meats moved. It was like from- Caddy Corner from Swine and Sons. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've always obviously. I'm totally there. sounding like I'm getting out into the world into way more than I am, but yeah. Well, you still have a memory. Huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least we have that for now. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Who knows? Come what may. Oh Lord. Okay, those are some good, good different spots and different a different drink that I have never. I have done. I think like a gin flip, and I think that that had orange and it. it was like orange juice, gin, powdered sugar. And an egg white. Mm. And then you shake that up like crazy. And it's kind of like a whiskey sour in the yeah. way that it gets nice and light yeah. and foamy, but it's orangey. So it tastes like a creamsicle. It's mm. like orange, but then it's got gin. And yeah. then it's got, um, yeah, all the things. So anyway, that's a good one. Um, I would love to learn. I know somewhat about you over the, over the years, but with, this podcast, I love digging into people's stories because that's the fascination for me around a dinner table is like hearing people's stories and the diversity that often we gather of a diverse group of people and the diverse group of people that we have in Orlando is pretty amazing. So yes, you being is. one of them, yes, it is. Aaron Moore, um, what was kind of like the vibe and the feel of like, like, I don't kind of feel we some people have different opinions god bless they can everyone has their own opinion but i feel like we don't really get a choice in where we're placing the universe we are i think just deposited here and then we are all trying to figure it out from there on we don't get a choice of our family of origin our socioeconomic status or skin color Mm -hmm. all these things uh where were you placed in the world and kind of like what were those formative early years Mm. like Man, I grew up in Bradenton, uh, which is on the Gulf. Yeah. Florida. Um, the Gulf Coast of Florida. My grandmother lived there for a little while. A lot of people's grandparents <laughs> live there, you know? And a lot of people say it exactly that way. They're like, my grandparents lived there for a little while. Right. And so I'm like, okay, so they moved there and they retired and they, till they, you know, right. obviously passed away. But yeah, uh, no, I grew up in Bradenton and I grew up in like the little pocket of Northwest Bradenton. Which Bradenton now is kind of very different uh, than it was I've then. Been there in a long time. Um, in the in the kind of like the northwest area. I mean, I kind of felt like it, when we were growing up there, it was kind of like its own community. You know, like everything was kind of within a few miles, and and it was bordered on the west um, by the intercoastal, and on the north by the Manitou River. So, okay. so you kind of just always grew up, you know, around the water, on the mm. water, you know, kind of that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so we grew up, you know, three minutes from the river and, you know, five or 10 minutes from the beach. Nice. So, yeah. Yeah. Do you have siblings? Do you have parents? I have parents. Um, I have parents. Um, two of them? I have two of them. Okay. They both still live in the same house that I grew up in. Um, and then my two older sisters, one is eight years older than me and her name is Michelle, which is also my wife's that's name. Very so yeah, I know. Right. And mm-hmm. then, um, I have another sister that's four years older than me uh, and her name is Ashley and she lives in Winter Haven. And then Michelle, um, and my brother-in-law live, you know, probably two miles from where we grew up. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Like right so back everyone's there. still in Florida. Everybody's in Florida. C- Central Florida area. Yeah, more or less. Ish. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was kind of like the vibe of your family. Was it like warm and inviting? Was it chaotic? Was it chill? Did you surf a lot? Man, uh, I, I surfed as much as I could. Uh, and yes, for people listening to this, yes, there are waves on the Gulf. Yes, you can surf on the Gulf. I learned to surf on the Gulf. Everybody asks that. Right, because it always feels like a pancake. Well, it is a pancake if you for like a lot of like the days that people would go to the beach. But there's usually a lot of waves through the winter. And then anytime there's any kind of tropical system. And, and usually there's a few different times a year that can be pretty consistent. So, okay, uh, yeah, it can be it can actually get real fun. But I think, so, I mean, I did a lot of that, uh, you know, I, I mean, as a younger kid, I, you know, played baseball probably all the time. My dad coached all my teams. So a lot of time was spent um, riding around in his old blue truck. All right. Um, I remember very fondly, um, just an old 79 um, Ford full-size pickup and riding around in that and going to the ball field and, and so there was just a ton of that. Um, yeah, a ton of time. And, and so I think like the vibe probably in our family was pretty chill. Um, you know, we all did a lot of stuff together. We did like the family vacations every summer and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I grew up, I think I was fortunate. I don't know if it was because we were far enough away in age, but, but I was, I was and still am, you know, tight with my sisters. Like we talk regularly and yeah. often mm-hmm. that's pretty cool. And then my oldest brother-in-law, he started dating my oldest sister when I was like six. Oof. Um, you know, I'm not maybe, oof, maybe but I like, mean, you're pretty like young. Seven. Yeah, I mean, I was like six or seven, something like that. I guess. I don't know. Maybe eight. But I was, I was young. Like, I was not past probably like third grade. Um, so, I kind of grew up with him, you know, always around. Mm-hmm. And then as I got older, uh, you know, he became kind of a close friend. So, we've surfed together our whole lives and fished together and, you know, and like, you know, spearfish and stuff together. So, so he was kind of almost a part of that family dynamic as well. Oh, yeah. For sure. From yeah. He's, I mean, he's been around since I was. Very, very yeah. early age. Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. That's amazing. Yeah, How fun. did Aaron Moore like show up in like a middle school setting? Ooh, man, I remember it. When, you, when you ask that question, you? the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that my sisters who I was close to, they let me go to school once wearing plaid pants. I don't know why <laughs> they let me do that. I mean, it was a horrible decision. I don't know. Or an incredible, they, amazing decision. Yeah, um, I they mean, was also it- let me shave those lines in the side of my head that one time. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. But I mean, that's par for the course at that age. I think it was. Oh, yeah. I don't think I pulled any of that off well. I don't think I... But you were like I a surfer skate kid. Yeah. I mean, I think I... I mean, I... I mean, were your friends doing this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think they had a little more swag than me. I didn't have like a lot of... I, I didn't have a lot of that. Like, you know, I think I was kind of just a... I mean, I was kind of just like a normal, nice kid. I didn't quite like... You know, I didn't have the, like the swag that some of my friends did, you know, till but later. I, I don't think it ever happened for me, <laughs> um, you know, but yeah. So, but yeah, but I mean, it was pretty funny. That's pretty funny. That's what I think of. I think of like some of those times and I'm like, wow, that didn't, I didn't pull that off well. Okay. So, Fair but, yeah. Were you like interested in school or interested in girls or interested in sports? I mean, were you like oh, a um, student? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a good. I was a good student. I think. Um, I mean, I I was a pretty happy kid. Like, I kind of enjoyed all of that. Like, I okay. mean, I, I I think one of the things that I've looked at and I felt like it was a really 
really great blessing over the course of my life um, is I've had like, I've had really great groups of friends. Mm-hmm. Like, and I can look back and I can see that, you know, when I was young, I had great groups of friends mm-hmm. through high school. Um, I had really great groups of friends. And mm-hmm. then in college, great groups of friends. Some of those guys are still some of my best friends. Um, you know, and then, and then since then, you know, so, so I feel like even when I look back and, you know, probably, uh, you know, seasons when I think all of us kind of have that middle school, high school, you know, periods where you're kind of unsure who you are, you're you're not super confident, you're figuring out, I had like good friends through all those seasons, Mm. uh, and some like really strong, like sibling relationships, I think with my sisters, my brother-in-law that I think kind of like helped a lot of that not feel real traumatic, you know? Uh, it kind of all, it kind of always, like when I look back, it always felt pretty navigable. Right. Um, you know, I mean, they're, yeah. So, but I mean, I, school was fun. School was fun. Uh, you know, as you get older in high school, you start to realize like, well, like if the waves are really good, maybe you don't have to be there all day, things like that, you know, and you kind of get creative, but. How does that go over? I, I think it went over pretty well, actually. You Were know? you a good student enough? Yeah, to like... I was good enough to kind of pull that off. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was yeah. it? It never like... came back to haunt me, and it probably might have. I mean, it might have worked out better for me if it had. You know, if Michelle was sitting here, my wife, she'd be like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, probably would have worked out better if you know somebody would have called him on that nonsense." Right. You know, stay. Yeah. But you made it into a four-year degree program. Eventually, I did my. I I, I did my. You know, a couple stops of two different community colleges. Okay. Mm-hmm. So high school is like more of the same or what, yeah. like, we're like in high school, are you going through anything or was that any, like, I mean, a lot of times oh, high school yeah, is I'm very sure. pivotal for people. Yeah, I'm sure. I don't think, I mean, I had, a, I had, I had, a, I don't know, I keep saying this, but I had a like really fun group of guys um, and we were really tight and we had a blast. Like high school was really fun um, with that group of friends. That um, is like, very lucky like we did a lot of camping and fishing and like you know surfing and just always kind of out and on the water and doing fun stuff mm-hmm. and they were and they were good dudes they're guys that I, I still keep in touch with a lot of them so i mean my look back high school was really fun i mean i can look back and know like within that period yeah like i was like devastated over a girl you know like different seasons that would like feel dark mm-hmm. um and, I, and i'm and they were you know very real to me then you mm-hmm. know but but they weren't things that kind of left like this lasting, you know, kind of, you know, traumatic impression, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. kind of felt okay. You yeah. Know, so, yeah. But I think navigating that, I think, you know, uh, as some of those guys were older than me and went away to school, I think like my senior year, my freshman year of college, like I, that was kind of when, when I was going, okay, like, what do, what do I want to do? What are like, what does that even look like for me to kind of go to college? And mm-hmm. so my freshman year, I went to community college did all my classes like two days a week and then worked like trimming trees with my brother-in-law um, and did that for a year. And it was a weird mix of okay. like, it was actually pretty fun. Uh, and, but it also didn't feel like a college kid, you know? So I did that for a year and figured out, man, I kind of right. want to go to college and, and have, that and have a little bit of that experience. Uh, and so I was actually connected with like a bunch of young life people. Um, and mm-hmm. they kind of talked me into coming to Gainesville and I went to Gainesville and Gainesville was great. It was very fun. Mm-hmm. It was very cool. You met a lot of people there. I did. I found some really good people there. Yeah, it's great people day to that be like that. You know, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, it's great to be a Florida Gator. Right. Always. My yeah. brother went to UF. Yeah. So he is very much into 
It was fun. Mm-hmm. It was very fun. And like his group of guys, I mean, he lives with some of them now here in Orlando again, but yeah, I feel like for him, it's like a very strong part of his identity. Yeah. Yeah. We love it. I mean, we're not like, we definitely have friends who are more fanatical about it than we are, but, but, but there are really some photos it. on game day with you and your entire family. There are photos. Of, the yes. colors of. Oh yeah. 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 The Florida Gators. Well, yeah, it was a big game. Yeah, totally. We got to do that. Right. Yeah. But you know, I mean, <laughs> one cool thing is some of like your close friends are some of like my best friends are guys that I met in Gainesville, mm-hmm. you know, and those are friendships that I've had. I mean, I've known those dudes now for longer, for more than half my life. I know. Which is crazy. It is crazy. That is nuts. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I told somebody there that I met Ben Hoyer when he was 19 and they were like, what? That's. I was like, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was talking with my high school best friend who lives in Virginia and that's where I went to uh, high school. Um, but she was saying that her and her husband are going on a 20 year, uh, wedding anniversary. They've been married for 20 years. Like I was in her wedding. Of course it was like 20 years ago. Like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, no dude, for real. <gasps> yeah. That's the, yeah. That is where we're, where we are currently. My 20th. My 20th anniversary is in January. Okay. 20 years. Yeah. Hers is in November. For anybody so. listening, I got married when I was 15. <laughs> right. Not really. But very quite but I was young. young. Yes. Yes. We were young. As were some of the kids in your crew. That whole crew. We all kind of just thought, hey, this sounds like a good idea. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you feel like, I mean, you don't regret that, right? No. Do you feel like you should have waited? No, I don't regret that. I think um, part of that goes to a little bit like... I mean, I, I'm a therapist, right? So, uh, and I tend to overthink everything uh, in a lot of ways. <clears throat> so, but Michelle and I have talked about this a lot where, I mean, we've joked with like our mentor from the time, um, you know, Ron from Gainesville and all those guys were like, should any of us have been like, hey guys, let's all just slow down. You know, like maybe let's all just wait like a year or two uh-huh. uh, because you can look back in hindsight and go, oh man, like we probably, that, that would have probably been helpful you know, just to have another like year or two of relationship and life and like life together uh-huh. um, to not have like the shock of like, holy shit, this is really hard. And like, we have no clue what we're doing, you know? Mm-hmm. So you can always look back and go, oh man, like, you know, should we, could we have done it this way? But, but it doesn't ever feel like regret in that sense. Cause it doesn't feel like we missed out on anything mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like wrong choices. It just feels like kind of the wisdom of hindsight, but at the same time you're like, well, yeah, but like really cool things happened and we're 20 years in. And so I'm like stoked. Like it doesn't yeah. ever hit like, Oh man, we shouldn't have, you know, mm-hmm. it's, you just look back and you're like, man, would have been helpful to know some things, but I think that same time, it's going to be a learning curve probably whenever that year happened, that first year happens. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think right. because I think like you could say that at any point, you know, so there is something to be said for man, like when you, you both know, feel like, you know, as much as, you know, you're capable at the time and, and mm. then cool things happen, you know, shoot so, your shot. Yeah, man. Do it. 20 years. Well, that's amazing to still be married after 20 years. That's not a story that everyone has. So it's a lot of life. It's a lot of life. It's a lot of life. It's a lot of work. Yeah, man. I don't know, but that's, that's pretty incredible. It's good. You're doing it. Heck yeah. So you finished your college experience and they gave you a degree. They did. They did. Yeah. Totally. Wow. 
Yeah. And there's no surfing in Gainesville. No, hour and a half St. Augustine though, which in my St. Augustine is the, my opinion, St. Augustine is the best beach town in Florida. Like I, I'm a fan. Um, I really love it. I would agree. I mean, it's, I love St. Augustine. In terms of like, just like a little surf town, man, it's so legit. It's gorgeous. And I love Smyrna. I love Melbourne, but like St. Augustine's rad. Yeah. I mean, St. Augustine's really rad. So, so we spent a lot of time there and I lived Mm -hmm. with a bunch of dudes that were from there. Okay. So I felt like I had like some community there of guys that I surfed with and hung out with. Did you need any kids from like Flagler? Um, yeah, a few. Yeah. Through like Young Life Connection days and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I almost went to Flagler. I actually went and visited Flagler now that you mentioned that, but ended up in Gainesville instead. Sure. Yeah. I've had several, many friends that had gone there and it just also seemed like a pretty cool school. Yeah. Oh man. I, I think, yeah. I mean, if you're going to go. It's very cool. To college on a, in a beach town, that would be yeah. like. Yeah. It feels like the yeah. one to go to. Um, marvelous. So take us into your journey of like, I'm going to mm. become a therapist. Oh, man. And listen to people yeah. in their darkness So as a yeah. career. How do you become a therapist? Man. Okay. So I did a, I did a psychology major um, at UF. Okay. I, I did a psychology undergrad. And and I, I mean, I'll be the first person to say it. My experience was okay. Uh, it, it wasn't great. There are things that I didn't realize um, probably in my like, oh, I'm just kind of chill and I'm, you know, making good grades and kind of rolling with it and still surfing a good bit and just having fun. Um, I, there are things that I think I, I, if I, if I went back, I think other people had probably more, um, you know, kind of robust experiences because they like got plugged in with like one professor and really like dug in deep and stuff like that. And I didn't, so my experience was pretty okay. Okay. Um, but when I came out, I, I didn't know what I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I honestly, in in my probably immaturity, I was actually more uh, stuck on marrying Michelle, as that was like the yeah, next thing. Yeah, prime importance. Uh, but sure. but the, but I, it was also a period of time where I was wondering if I wanted to actually go work in ministry, and so uh, that was like a big thing um, that I was wrestling with. Wasn't sure. Okay. Uh, but my brother in law uh, had been at RTS in mm-hmm. Orlando. And he had just finished there and him and my sister were pretty influential on me at that point. Uh, and then my mentor had been at RTS at one point in time too. Okay. And so they were kind of like, you know, well, you can always go explore a little bit and not do, not do a master's in divinity, like a full three years, but maybe just do like a master's in biblical studies and see what you think. So I was like, okay, that felt like a good, that felt like a really good next step. So did you know that you were coming to Orlando, back to Orlando, or was that an impetus? Well, I'd never been to Orlando. I mean, I'd never never been in Orlando. Like, I mean, I obviously had been to Orlando, but we we were living in Gainesville. Right. And then, um, and then I graduated and started taking a couple classes at RTS and I liked it. It was cool. Felt like a good, felt like a good fit. So, um, we got married, moved over here. And unbeknownst to me, when I came here, I didn't know they had a counseling program. So I was, um, I had this uh, job um, calling people at night, raising money for a ministry in town and worked with a bunch of other dudes. Um, It wasn't as sketchy as it sounds. It was pretty good. Um, But I worked with a bunch of great guys. They became really good friends of mine. And one was a dude that was in that counseling program. And he was having a really just powerful experience, really loved it. And I had had in the back of my head, the reason I did psychology was actually because um, I'd had, you know, kind of therapy and counseling in the back of my mind. Had you already gone to that? Had you already had, had you gone to counseling personally? I had never gone to counseling personally at this right. point. Right. Well, wait, I take that back. 
I had gone to counseling um, in a like a, you know, like a premarital. Um, yeah, in a premarital context Setting. as we got married. Yeah, okay. um, but with a, with a counselor. Where it got in my head was one of my best friends um, through high school, uh, my buddy named Gil. His mom, um, Sue, uh, was um, she was a therapist, and his house was kind of like you, know, you have like a friend, and everybody's always at their house. Mm-hmm. Well, it was his house. Um, he lived on the bayou. It was where we would, you know, wakeboard and hang out and it was, it was great. Um, and so there were a lot of evenings at his kitchen table, um, hanging out and his mom was, um, just, she was really kind of influential, I think for a lot of us, uh, in just a lot of cool ways. And I mean, she kind of had that ability to, to not completely Mm. shame us, but also call us out for bullshit when we were being stupid. Right. Um, and it was, it was really helpful. It was really great. Always felt really loved and accepted, but also called, you know, out like, yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, and so, but that, that was what originally put the idea in my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was, that was where the whole concept came from. That was what took, that was what got me a psych It was kind of like her thought process just being, like that, the that was way where i've been that, exposed to it right the way that she yeah. communicated yeah um, yeah and so and then once i came to rts and saw you know some guys that i got to know going through the program and watch them kind of be you know um changed by it and exposed to it and really enjoy it then i decided i wanted to do it okay you know and i applied and went for my interview with the guy who was running the program at the time um and he told me to go home and come back next year um Totally. Yeah. He totally was. Yeah. Huh. And I was like, and I was kind of shocked. Like in the interview, I was like, so I'm like stumbling. And then, and he, he basically was like, uh, yeah, so you just got married, man. Why don't you just go, uh. go be married for a year and then we come back and see what you think like in a year or two. Um, so I took his advice and I did that and came back like a year and a half later. Interesting. And, and did that. Yeah. Did you do the phone calls for a year? Man, Is that I your job? I remember. Um, I don't think I did it for a year. I think I did it for probably like six months. I ended up working for a church in town, um, doing like youth and family stuff for, I don't know, a few years while going through school. Right. Mm -hmm. The woman that you married also chose this profession. She did. She did. Yeah. Was that, I mean, we won't obviously digress into her full story. I would love to have her on someday. Um, but like, was she already thinking like that is the path that I would like to pursue? Um, I don't think so. Um, she, she was an education major, um, and she, you know, she kind of entertained a lot of different things, but through, you know, I think kind of being exposed to it in more depth, um, you know, as I walked through the program and as we had friends that walked through counseling program, mm-hmm. and then it kind of piqued a lot of interest there, ah, okay. you know? And so, but, but once you go through it, you know, you can go through a counseling program, but then it's kind of like the five or six years after mm-hmm. that that's when you kind of just have to do all the work of figuring out like, what do you really want to do? Cause there's just so many different options and so many different ways to go with it. So you, it, you know, you kind of go through like two years of, you know, graduate program, but then like internship after, and then those like figuring out like, man, what, what kind of work do I want to do? Like, what am I passionate about? What like, do you have to get further qualifications? Me, like, um, yeah, you can. I mean, there's a lot of different, right. lot of different things. You have to do all the normal, like continuing ed stuff that you do with most licensing things. Right. So, but then, but I mean, there's just countless other, you know, different theories and therapies and stuff to get, mm. you know, qualified in, certified in and all mm-hmm. that. So, but that's the stuff you kind of figure out over time. I think like anything, you know, like school's good and school's helpful, mm-hmm. but then it's the years after that you kind of really help you figure out what the heck you're doing. 
Do we know what the heck we're doing? Not really. Okay. I mean, you know, enough. <laughs> I mean, I think, like, I mean, I mean, I think the hope is, you know, that like the farther we get down the road, you know, in therapy or anything else, like we become a little bit more aware of how much we don't know. Mm-hmm. And that's really helpful. Yeah. You know, knowing that we don't know a ton is way better than thinking that we know a lot. And stay in your lane and keep going with what you know how to do. There yeah. will be a plethora of things that we don't have control over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So then you have your own business currently. It's 2021. Yeah. The entire time that I've known you, you have been at your own practice. Mm-hmm. And how did that come about? And are you like still, I mean, obviously you're still passionate about it, but I mean, you've been in it for a really long time. So how do you keep it like fresh? Dude. Yeah. It's a good question, man. You've probably um, counseled half of Orlando. No. who? Probably 75% of my friends. No, 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 no. Um, no way. Um, a good chunk of people I know. No. Um, so that's funny. And um, don't know. So I think like, I don't know. I mean, what I, I'm trying to think, how, how long have I been doing this? I guess I've been doing this like, I mean, I graduated in 2005. So, 16 man. years? Yeah. Um, wow. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I worked for a few different friends, a few different places. Um, and then Michelle and I started our office solace counseling in 2009, I think it was. Um, and so, so we've been doing it since then. You know, we have, um, you know, some great friends that work with us now have worked with mm-hmm. us over the years. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I think, you know, I really like when I, when I went through school and started doing internships and stuff, I found I really just enjoyed doing therapy. Um, it was, it was really cool. I was blessed with having some good therapists myself. I had some really cool mentors. I still do have some really cool mentors that are, you know, older in their sixties and seventies that are just badass and amazing. And so Mm -hmm. it's really cool to feel like you kind of soak up like sage wisdom from people, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and that stuff's been pretty pivotal for, I think Michelle and I both, but and you found those people just kind of being in that world and in those bit, circles. Yeah. Just random, yeah. you know, like the people that you cross paths with. And mm-hmm. I think, I mean, I think like for most of us, we cross paths with so many people, but if we pay attention, you know, and we're open to it, you find people that like you connect with differently. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if you can hang with them longer, really cool relationships start to develop there, you know? And so, so we've been fortunate with that, which has been cool. But, but we enjoyed, I mean, I really, I really enjoyed it. Michelle really enjoyed it. And then as we were working, we started doing a bunch of nonprofit work and that was, that was kind of a really huge part of our life for a long time. Still Mm -hmm. is a little bit, not quite as much, Mm -hmm. but to write love on our arms was the main one. And then a few other organizations that um, we started writing curriculum for and creating uh, just a whole, you know, kind of a lot of dialogue around mental health. And so um, I did a lot of traveling and speaking for them. Um, for like 10 to 12 years. And, and that was, um, that was huge. So it, it, it made it a lot easier. Um, I, I mean, I still do some now, um, but it made it a lot easier to, you know, do all that, just balancing our own schedules. So when we started like right. traveling and doing all that stuff, as well as counseling full time, it was like, man, it's easier on everybody if we just have our own space. Um, own and we're not like, yeah. And so, right. so that, that kind of took us to do it. And then, mm-hmm. And we've liked it and it has worked. And so yeah. we've been fortunate to just, 
you know, have friends over the years that like we loved and believed in and trusted to come work with us. And so it's been cool. Yeah. So we're still doing it. You still have a couple of people now that yeah. are working with you. Heck yeah. And you just bought your own building. We did buy a building. We bought a building the, the like first like week of the pandemic last year. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, this could be a really good decision. Or yeah, it was the first week of 2020 of March, 2020. Um, we closed or, on, on like the third week of March, 2020. Cause I closed on the building and then I went home and emailed all of our staff and said, Hey, no one's we have to in. work. Yeah. We have to all go and work from, we have to work remotely. So I was like, cool. Hey babe, we might have just bought a building and we could work out of our car. It's like, this could be a disaster. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, it actually worked out great. You know, we came back in person last year and our new space allows for enough space to do that and feel like mm-hmm. we, we were able to do it safely. safely. Yeah. Our old space that we were in right before this would not have worked out for that. Yeah. Um, so, so everything, it's actually worked out really well, mm-hmm. except for the fact that my AC keeps breaking like it did today, but that's okay. Yeah. Shit happens. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, having one home is enough. I mean, having to probably deal with two is probably double the. Yeah, the we're things. there. So, we're there so much; it works. That's so, good. Yeah. yeah, that's a blessing. Yeah, but it's a cool space. Are there things in um, your practice that I know, like you know, obviously people um, kind of zero in or focus on different areas to be able to help people with whatever, you know, um, places that they are in or need. So where, where do you focus, um, your practice in? Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I mean, I can speak for me and for, you know, probably those of us, um, that the guys that work with us, um, all of us work with trauma, like, and, you know, all Michelle, myself, Matt, Stefan, and our friend AG, we all do trauma work. Um, everybody's kind of got a little bit of different training. Mm-hmm. Um, Stefan and Michelle and I are all trained in EMDR. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm also, Michelle and I are also trained in something called ART, you know, accelerated resolution. And they're just different trauma treatment modalities. And, okay. um, and so we all do trauma. Uh, we all do kind of depression, anxiety. Um, you know, uh, Matt and Stefan and I work a lot with addiction as well. Um, that's one thing that, um, the three of us kind of see a really good bit of, I do a lot of relationship and couple stuff. So mm-hmm. is Matt, um, Michelle is, she's actually an eating disorder expert. She specializes in that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she's been doing that for a long time. Um, she's, she's excellent. She's one of the best. Mm-hmm. So, so between that, like there, we, we kind of see, it sounds like a really wide range, but, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty big, but usually mm-hmm. between us, um, you know, we can kind of cover most things, but, but there's obviously some stuff that we just, you know, there are people in town that are, we have one of the cool things about Orlando is there's a lot of great, you know, there are great, there are great therapist resources in Orlando, man. Um, and other cities in the country are not like this. Um, some places are, but there are a lot that are not. So I feel like even in our circle of friends, I yeah, mean, it's just like, yeah, there's great resources. An abundance man. Like, of yeah. talented, really yeah, talented. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's really, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so there's great, I mean, so a lot, I mean, we, we work really collectively. Like, I mean, I have folks that, you know, I'm always kind of referring people back and forth to you just because we have like really great people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People yeah. in town are awesome. Really great people. And you've also had a lot of referrals or you kind of share some cases, case, I don't know how to, but to write love on our arms has, um, some like do you do you have people that are referred to through that here? Not really. Not um, really. No. Okay. I thought I, there I was mean, like some. 
Well, um, Trail Love, one of the things that that nonprofit does is they do, um, they provide funds that support, you know, people to see, to seek treatment on like a sliding scale. Mm -hmm. Um, but they do that with multiple places like around the country. Um, so they've supported some clients that we've seen, you know, on a sliding scale at times. Um, and, and they do that with a lot of places and stuff. But like, if you go on, like if you go on their website, there's a lot of resources listed, you know, so there's, there's, you know, far more than even just us in town. Sure. Um, you know, so. Right. Yeah. But, but really, I mean, the majority of the work we do, I mean, it just comes from, you know, when people know somebody's looking for a therapist and knows one of us or stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is the same. I mean, when we talk to people, you know, like, hey, well, here are the people we know that yeah. are really amazing at this. You know, here's, you know, my friend, you know, Colette, that's really amazing with relationships, you know, or my friend DJ that, you know, works really well with adolescents, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. yeah, it's such an it's such important work. Like, I have a degree in psychology, and I have I a that. minor in substance abuse counseling because I thought I was going to be a counselor. And so I did all of that, and then I was working. I, I had started working in events, and I just couldn't. I was like, I, I was like, I can't pick up another book or write another paper at this time. Mm-hmm. My brain is going to implode in that way um but that was the track that i was going down because i think that i had started counseling when i was 23 and had a very impactful two years um very consistent and had gone through some things and that just impacted my life so much that i i was like i like i feel like i would want to do that like i i love the, the the hope that there would be somebody that could like that had walked mm. through the darkness with me and held my hand through it um and to have like an unbiased third-party opinion i think is just everybody needs that mm. like a sounding board like having friends is wonderful and yeah. like being able to like feel you know safety in that but for me like having a counselor to be able to like really dig in ask the right questions and then to be able to yeah. Um, not have like, you know, skin in the game in that way, you know, like yeah. your friends might, but, um, yeah, it was really powerful for me. So I was Very thinking cool. that I was going to be a, a therapist cause I think that they're like heroes. Um, it's not too late, dude. Yeah. Someday maybe. Mm, I yeah. just like going, to, yeah, going back to school <laughs> and I feel like there's a window and somehow when you, and when you get beyond it, you're, it's like, I'm like, Cause I felt the same thing. I'm like, I mean, yeah, people do no. it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Got, and that's wonderful. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. Oh, awesome. I think that I'm fascinated by story. And so for me, like finally finding doing the dinner party project, I mean, that was only like many years later. Um, but that to me is the fascinating thing about like mm. people's stories and being able to share it in this like collective, it's not counseling obviously, but it, it, it is, hopefully a safer place to be able to share your story. And so that was kind of how I felt like I contributed somewhat to that narrative or like kind of conversation to say, you know, like everyone is welcome, no matter who you are. Um, we want to hear your story and this is like a, hopefully a safe and dynamic way to, to do it. Yeah. Um, so 
I'm like, well, here I am. So as you may know or may not know at all, cocktails are kind of my thing. At the end of a long day or any day, really, crafting a drink, whether it's simple or more complex, I really look forward to a delicious cocktail. Plus, it makes all conversations better. Tito's Handmade Vodka is always a go-to for me. It's the perfect thing to have on hand to make just about any cocktail. That is what I love about Tito's. It's so versatile. Anything from a Moscow mule to an elderflower martini to a white Russian. Plus, Tito's Handmade Vodka has won a million awards, but for real. It's been distilled six times and won the SF World Spirit Championship. So the next time you are looking for an incredibly drinkable cocktail, pick up some Tito's Handmade Vodka. Plus, you should head over to titosvodka.com to read up more about their story and pick up some delightful recipes. Speaking of kind of trauma and things of um, (laughs) a really impactful and kind of a sustained, sustained way, uh, I would love to kind of like hear your take as a mental therapist on kind of where we have been uh, currently and then currently where, what we might be feeling and then our connections to our bodies and Mm. being in, in our bodies. Yeah, man. I mean, that could take a few hours, but we're going to, Oh gosh, we could do that for days. Right. (laughs) Yeah. No, I mean, dude, I I think I want to hear all the things. Oh gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like we were saying before we started recording, I think like, no matter how much we may go through certain days right now. And obviously like it's, it's September, um, you know, it's September, 2021. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so right and now, yeah. And I think you get those days where you're like, Oh, this feels kind of normal. Mm-hmm. Right. But like, okay. So what's the last thing you did that you had that, like, you were like, Oh man, it felt normal. Do you remember? So last night I went, I did go to the movie theater. Okay. You went to the movies and you're like, Oh my gosh, it's kind of normal. Friends. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like a normal moment. Do you get popcorn? No. No? No, never. I don't like popcorn at the movie theater. We talked about for hours about that. We could. Um, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, No, that's okay. Okay. But so you go to the movies, right? Go to the movies. You enjoyed it. Yes. At what point afterwards? I did cry, but yes. Oh gosh. What did you see? Dear Evan Hansen. Oh, that. Okay. Good. So you told me that. (laughs) Sorry. I wasn't making that connection. Um, Okay, so as so you saw that, yes. Okay, so you, but you but I mean you get what you go to the movies for you have the kind of emotional you know experience. Yeah. Um, at any point after the movie, mm-hmm. did you kind of look back and be like, wait, should I have gone to the movies? Like, did <laughs> did you ever kind of did you? I mean, did you have any kind of like, oh wait, we should went to the movies? Like, I, not much. Like, I wore a mask, so I'm okay. kind of still there. Um, and then I came home. And I, I mean, for me, it was kind of like, oh, now it's back to reality. And mm. then my mood just like dropped. Like oh, I went, okay. to, I had this time, which was so fun. And I had like, okay. s- saw some girlfriends, you know, I was like, oh man, this is so nice to feel normal. We're in this, you know, doing something that kind of was like a given before. And then now, I, and then after that, I come home and I'm like, mm. ah, okay, yeah. well, that's, you know, that so was like a great. two and a half hour respite. Right. With something that at this point is a little nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then. Reality. Like all nostalgia. When we step out of the nostalgia, we're left back in like what we feel like is reality. Right. Okay. That was kind of my. It's kind of an escape. Day yesterday. Yeah. <clears throat> so like, I mean, kind of like what you're describing is like normalcy. The feeling of normalcy is now actually the feeling of escape. 
Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. How, like, effed up is that? <laughs> like, how flipped is that? Like, that, like, um, but I think that's, I mean, to me, that's just one of the ways I think of it is, like, wow, like, we go do things that in the past, like, we're like, oh, this is, like, normal life. Like, I took my kids to go see Dude Perfect last night, which right. was, like, broy awesomeness. It was, like, 20,000 nine-year-olds just yelling, let's go, as grown men <laughs> raced on tricycles and got paid to do it. So, made me question all my life decisions. Sure. Um, but... I mean, you're like, okay, this is normal, mm-hmm. you know? Um, you know, and then I was laughing with Michelle because it's like, yeah, like my buddy's like, cause I texted him on the way there, you know, I was like, is everybody wearing a mask? Like, you know, yada. and he's like, no, nah, full super spreaders going, you know, and which I mean, yeah. Right. And so then, so then I'm like today, I'm like, oh gosh. Okay. It was so much fun. Totally took my kids. It was great. Hung out with their friends from school that they see their friends from school every day. Right. But then you have that like, oh man, was normal a bad call? Was normal a bad decision? Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think, I mean, these are just examples, but, but I feel like that's the thing that we all kind of live with you know, mm-hmm. that we never had to live with before. Like, if you want to go visit your parents, you go visit your parents. You want to go see, you know, siblings, you go see siblings. You want to kind of hang out with friends, you hang out with friends. Like, those are the things you do. Mm-hmm. And now, like, to go do that stuff, you run yourself through, like, at least six or seven questions of, <clears throat> is it good? Is it right? Is it responsible? Like, mm-hmm. all that, right? Yeah. And I'm sure for some people, they're going, dude, I don't ask myself any of that, right? But... As a business owner who does events, dude, totally. This is like, like literally at the top of my mind. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, as 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 a business owner who my business functions on people coming in and sitting down in an office and having conversations, it and you know, I mean, we yeah. think about this stuff, right? Yeah. As a parent, you know, you think about this stuff, right? Um, but I, so I think that just that stuff has been it has been constant, and even even as everybody kind of falls all across the spectrum with it, you know, and we have friends and you know, family that we, I mean, we're all kind of everywhere along that spectrum of what we think and what we believe and what we think is right. And you know, all that. Um, but the, the destabilizing nature of the past year and a half, um, that like destabilized kind of foundation that's there for everybody. Like mm-hmm. that kind of subtle destabilizing piece mm-hmm. is there like no across who the you board. Are. Yeah. yeah, I believe. Yeah. Like it may affect us differently and we definitely can cope with it differently than each other. Um, but it's just there, mm-hmm. you know, uh, no matter what you believe about the pandemic, no matter what you believe about masks or vaccines or anything, um, you have to have an opinion on it now. Like, you know, you, you're making decisions, like you're, you're, you're weighing stuff that we never had to weigh and we're dealing with our collective anxieties and fears and we're dealing with everyone else in the collective, you know, or dealing with theirs. Like it, it's just a thing, man. And like the energy for me, uh, I'll be honest, but the energy that takes me to not judge, like my whole universe, I feel like that's half the battle. <laughs> like I'm trying to like, I know I want to let people live and do, do, do their thing, but sometimes I feel like it is hard for me or to yeah. take up energy. Yeah. Yeah. I am very opinionated. So but it would totally make sense, like, because, like, you feel strongly about something, you know, that, that, <clears throat> that you feel like really, really, really matters. Um, right now, it does matter. It totally does. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm not disagreeing that it does. Yeah. But that, when things, like, land with us that way, they require such a significant amount of emotional energy. Mm. Um, How do you think that's taking a toll on our, like, mental health? Oh man, I think it's leaving us way more exhausted than we realize. Mm-hmm. Um, because like 
normal everyday function now requires an amount of emotional energy that it didn't before. Hmm. Right. Um, and, and we could say a lot of different things about that. Right. But if you think about it, um, there is for many folks, uh, there is just a hypervigilance that I think we live with now. Right. Um, and, and I think, I think we strive for, I think we're striving for vigilance. Um, and whatever that means for people, you know, cause I mean, people disagree on what that means, what that needs to look like. Right. Um, but vigilance is good. Like, I mean, if you drive down I-4, you better be vigilant because, you know, you want to pay attention. You know, the, the whole goal of vigilance is to do what? It's to keep you safe, mm-hmm. right? Um, to, you know, we're vigilant so that we function and, you know, live in the best way we can. Hypervigilance is different. Hypervigilance uh, is that like if you're driving on I-4, it's, you know, well, I see, you know, I see a car that looks like the car that we ran into when I was a kid mm. and it strikes something in me and I can't take my eyes off it. Right. Um, Triggering something. Yeah. And so, but that sense of hypervigilance, we ascribe almost an an inordinate or inappropriate, however you want to say it, amount of power to something. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in that, I think for many of us, like, you know, we're going, man, I'm trying to be vigilant, but it almost strikes this hypervigilance because we have to, because it leaves you feeling like you have to question everything. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, like you go do, like I go do things with my kids and I'm like, oh, should we done that? Was that good? I don't know. Like, you know, okay, what do we, we want to go here? We get an invite to go here. Should we do this? Should we not? Like mm-hmm. and all of that, you know, and even like we were talking about as a business owner, it's like, oh man, well, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? Are we going to do it and wish we hadn't? Are we going to not do it and wish we had? Like that type of putting people of, at risk? like hypervigilant, like I have to question and re-question and question again, every decision. Mm-hmm takes an emotional toll so it makes sense that like you know anxiety goes up makes sense that depression goes up you know anytime anxiety and depression go up then substance abuse is going to go up mm. right substance abuse is is you know our, our culture's favorite way to cope with depression and anxiety you know um by far so so those two things are going to go up do you see any upswing has there been any data on like any any yeah like i mean a- there's a, there's a bunch of articles and stuff out there i mean at this point studies are pretty preliminary you know, just because we're still in the middle of it. Sure, right. You know, That's why I was like, I'm not sure. I wasn't sure if they, if anything had been like over, not over the hump, but like number, some numbers. There's probably some stuff out there out that of. I just haven't like explored. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I can tell you anecdotally, almost every counselor I know is pretty friggin' full. Sure. Um, you know, but that's also could be a good thing too. You know, there's a good, there's a mm-hmm. good side to that. I mean, we spent years and years that people are you know, talking about yeah. like things like the stigma of mental health, you know? And so, um, it's very cool. I mean, it's kind of an aside, but it's very cool. Like when I think of the work we started doing with Troy Love on our arms in 2006, talking about, you know, stigma and, and really exploring how stigma and shame keep us from being able to ask for help and feel mm-hmm. known and even pursue things like counseling. Um, culture is very different. No, you mm-hmm. know, there's like, I mean, the, the positive strides there are huge and like life-saving, you know, for hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. So, so there's some good stuff there. Yes. You know, but at the same time, like, I mean, just a year and a half, um, uh, and, and most people, and, and some of us would argue we put a few years on before that year and a half, we would go, man, um, that amount of destabilization, right. Creates kind of like the chronic feeling of feeling unsafe. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we feel kind of chronically unsafe, man, that that takes emotional toll on us. I feel like I'm feeling it right now, like even more than I mean, I feel like the beginning kind of felt like woohoo. I'm on vacation for a while Mm -hmm. and then the shit hit reality. And then 
that was hard for definitely a while. And then I kind of feel like mm. I somewhat got to normal somewhat. And then normal crashed in August. And then I kind of feel like really mm. extra exhausted now. Like yeah. I'm, we're still carrying this and I kind of like feel it in my body Yeah, more so. Well, um, I read an article a couple of days ago, just talking about how one of the things that they, they're starting to believe, you know, one of the, more broad effects of the pandemic is just such an increase in insomnia. Really? Yeah. I'll, okay. I'll send you the article. Yeah. 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 Yes. But it's interesting. I I would say, and, and I've shared this with a few people, like, um, it's really funny. And I mean, obviously like the beginning of the pandemic was really hard for people. Right. I have an odd nostalgia for the April of 2020. Oh, I, I would like to live there. Um, I would love April to be back 2020, there. April we all were like, okay, we're home. Uh-huh. It's going to bring me home for a few weeks. Right. I Oh, I have to we, stay home and make cookies? Yeah, and it was, well, I mean, and ours was not, I mean, ours, ours was like, oh my gosh, my kids are on iPads trying to do school and we're, I'm like doing appointments or my wife's doing appointments in the office at our house. And then one of us is at the office, um, you know, alone, um, you right. know, and, and then like you come out and you're, and I see my son, and I'm like, Hey, aren't you supposed to be on class? He's like, Oh, the iPad crashed. I'm like, so you just went and like built Legos and he's like, eh. Um, yeah. So it was not without stress. <laughs> sure. But there was, um, there really was a feeling of like, Hey, okay. Everybody's in, in the same boat. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you look at like, um, when you look at like, um, traumatized communities, um, there, there are elements, uh, that of people, you know, really feeling connected to each other and bonded together. And there was some of that there, right. Even if mm-hmm. it was just in this collective idea of everybody is experiencing something similar. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there was a slowness to it. I mean, at least there was for us a little bit. Mm-hmm. It felt really stressful at the time. But by 4.30 in the afternoon, we were kind of sitting in the front yard with the kids. You know, and it was Florida in April. So, the weather was, like, really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then we got to, like, late summer. And, and it was, was like, your, this is not nice. Your biggest concern was staying home. Yeah. Right. And so, there was a simple... For, for that, like, chunk of time. That yeah. was, like... There was a focus. There was a simplicity to mm-hmm. it. Right. And then as it went on, and then all these different areas of life get brought back in, you know? Um, and then we throw in all the political stuff that Aww. was also very destabilizing. Yeah. You know, um, because we're just talking, when I say destabilizing, these are things that just create those chronic feelings of, you know, lack of safety. Things do not safe, yeah. Right, things do not feel safe. Things do not feel secure, right? And that's the stuff that stirs up like kind of trauma responses in us. Whether we realize it or not, mm. um, it just affects us, right? Um, and so, but I, all that to say like, you know, I've thought, man, like, you know, these different time periods, and this is obviously just my opinion, but, um, you know, these are these different real difficult periods. Like last fall, there were some really difficult periods that I saw kind of, in my opinion, affecting people collectively. Um, January was really hard on people. Um, really hard. Yeah. For January me. was really, really dark. Um, but I, I would almost say like the, like August. Of this year? This year. Mm-hmm. August was like the biggest, like you know, just, yeah, it was, that was just hard because I think like you were describing, man, I started, started to feel back to normal, started to feel kind of good. Mm-hmm. And then it was like, wait, no, you're not. So it's kind of like going, Hey, I think we're starting to feel safe. Y'all they were starting to feel, I'm starting to feel like things are going to be okay. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, no, it's not. But I mean, the summer here was also incredibly traumatic. Just the numbers of, and numbers of real people that we know is like, yes, the numbers of real people that we know. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to talk a little bit to kind of like 
being in your body as we're going through this time and, and how we're feeling. And like, I've gotten back into yoga a lot on this past summer. Where are you going? Are you going anywhere? Are you just at home? I'm going to my backyard. Good for you. And you have a good I, backyard, by the way. So thank you. I know. And in so in the morning, the trick is in the mornings, the sun is oh, there's yeah. a fence. And so I put my mat right on the fence. Yeah. And, and I have to, I have a time limit. But um I've been doing aloe yoga. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of mm-hmm. that, but yeah. So basically just like in my own time, I don't have to go anywhere. Um I am also limiting kind of like trying to the people that I am interacting with in yoga is not a place that you would really wear masks indoors somewhere. So yeah, for sure. Doing I that it, when I said it out loud, doing, doing it in my own space has been, um, wonderful, Heck yeah. but yeah, I'd love to hear your kind of take on that as you have also for many years been very into yoga. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got my, um, I, I got certified as a yoga instructor, uh, gosh, maybe seven to eight years ago, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, I don't remember exactly what year it was, but, yeah. So, so I've done that um, for a long time. I, I, I kind of found my way into yoga cause I have a series of kind of chronic injuries that start and kind of all center around, um, you know, a lower back snowboarding injury when I was 19. Oh. Um, so, so I kind of yoga was pretty, pretty pivotal in helping me get, um, some of that pain under control. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I just found, I really, really loved it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, really enjoyed it. And so, Got trained in that, um, spent some time training with David Emerson, who developed um, trauma-sensitive yoga uh, at the Justice Resource Institute. If people are familiar with Bessel van der Kolk's book, The Body Keeps the Score, which is kind of like the pivotal um, trauma book. I just texted um, that with somebody today. It's kind of a heavy read, uh, but I send it to people. The, the yoga program that he talks about was developed by David, um, and it's really, really great. So I, I was fortunate to kind of spend some time with him a few times, and it was really cool. Um, I learned a lot um, from his perspective. So, but kind of go back to what you asked. Like, I mean, one thing. I mean, it's kind of. I mean, I, I can ramble about like pandemic and effects, right? But when you think about like trauma, uh, and also when you throw in like depression and anxiety. What do they do? Well, they, they, they create like a bunch of disruption and dysfunction, like in a million different ways. Right. But one way that all of them kind of do it and kind of have it in common is they create this big disruption in how we relate with our physical self. Hmm. Right. Okay. So like, um, I mean, just quick example, right. It's just my brain, the way I think about this stuff, but like, like depression, right. Depression often like creates, it's not, obviously people have different experiences of how they experience depression. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that depression, a common experience is that, um, you know, I I don't necessarily feel at home in my body. Mm. You know, people always think depression Mm -hmm. and link it with sadness. Well, for many people that struggle with depression, they would tell you, they don't feel sadness. They feel numb. Like that I actually have a hard time feeling mm-hmm. present in myself. I have a hard time connecting with that, right? Mm-hmm. So it creates that disruption in me being able to be at home in me, right? And then anxiety is a lot like trauma where like when you go through stuff, uh, when I don't feel safe, right? Um, then I don't feel safe in any given environment. My body's going to kick in to, you know, trauma response is going to kick into fight or flight responses, mm-hmm. which in the presence of, like danger or trauma, fight or flight is really good and really makes sense. Um, on a survival level. On a survival level, yeah. for sure. Or, it's, it's, or freeze, well, it's right? Totally, but, well, yeah, freeze, a little different at times. Okay. Um, but but freeze is in there and there's a few other options. You know, people are just kind of coining more and more terms. Right. There's quite a, quite a few that people love to use now. A bunch of F words that people love to use. And those, <laughs> they, yeah, we're not going to go into that. But, sure. Um, but it, it's interesting... Um, 
because it, you think about it creates this disruption in how my body is interpreting my, my world and how my body is interpreting stimuli and how my body is interpreting my situation. Mm-hmm. And so we, we lived through a pandemic. We lived through this place that whether you realize it or not, things that were always stable are no longer stable. Well, stability really links with like safety and security. So if things feel chronically destabilized, and there's a part of me that sometimes interprets that as feeling chronically unsafe. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if I cognitively think that or not. But my nervous system picks up on that, right? So anxiety, things like anxiety and trauma, they affect how my nervous system functions. You know, Vandercook's book, the one, of the, I mean, the best thing he's got in that whole entire book is his definition of trauma, which is living in the present according to irrelevant demands from the past. Mm-hmm. So the catch about that is, you know, is the demands from the past, they were relevant then. They're not relevant now. Mm-hmm. So that fight or flight response that I had, you know, when that thing happened to me five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it really made sense. And it saved my life right now. Now I'm having, now I'm having a panic attack in Starbucks, you know, and that's why like, you know, my friends who are like soldiers and clients that I've worked with who, you know, were in, you know, really intense situations, you know, overseas in the military, um, you know, they function through those situations just fine. But sometimes the physiological sensations and memory, the nervous system memory of, you know, those traumatic instances Mm. um, shows back up later in situations that it doesn't match with, you know? Um, And so so how do you uncouple the, well, I mean, there's a lot of different ways, you know, um, there's a lot of different types of therapies that people, you know, that we do, right. You know, EMDR, ART, you know, talk therapy is still really effective. Um, But so maybe we go a lot of different angles, but I want to kind of stick with what you're saying. Like um, one goal is right, is to kind of find a way to be at home with our physical self. Yes. So like whatever we kind of can say about like depression, anxiety, trauma, right? Cause we could talk, obviously I can ramble for a long time. We could talk for hours and hours about that. But one really helpful thing with all of those is for me to at least feel at home within my own self. Mm-hmm. You know, and that feels scary when you can't, get there well i mean it feels it feels scary for a lot of reasons right for some of us our bodies were never trustworthy mm. you know for some of us we were we taught we were taught early on that our physical self you know was not trustworthy and not a safe place mm-hmm. you know we learned to judge we learned to critique you know so so to actually find myself like offering myself love and compassion right and if you and if you for people that don't connect with like the word like how do i have compassion on myself think of the word comfort like, how do I really truly comfort like my physical self? Like, when do I feel comforted? Like, mm-hmm. when do I actually feel seen and known by another person? When do I feel kind of safe, like in an embrace? Mm-hmm. Where, where in your house do you get to sit and you feel your body relax? Right. Um, things like anxiety and depression. And I would tell you just like an ongoing pandemic kind of create this sense that that's really hard to do that you know so like i love that you found yoga and i I mean that's one of the reasons why i feel like um yoga mindfulness breath work um Mm -hmm. all these different elements of body work and so many things that kind of go into when you think about like embodiment um and being truly kind of engaged and at home and present within myself um they're huge because they help us actually Mm -hmm. learn how to care for these like parts of ourselves that don't feel safe you know, it's like, how, yeah. like, how do I actually like, how do I kind of realize, man, some part of me is kind of freaking the fuck out right now. But what does it look like to kind of own that and name that and like validate that and also reassure myself that we're okay. You know, 
Um, and so nervous system wise, um, I'm kind of going all over the place, but nervous system wise, when we go through stuff that's that destabilizing, our nervous system uh, doesn't, um, doesn't necessarily match up right with our mm-hmm. situation, right? So, you know, one of the things that happens, like when we begin to kind of think about like breath work and yoga um, and those aspects of like, you know, kind of mindfulness and embodiment stuff is we're actually helping our nervous system slow down, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm actually helping myself like slow down. And I mean, so you think about, I mean, it's, it's really funny because now this stuff is so popular. Like I was scrolling through Instagram today and the amount of like breath work sponsored ads that kept coming up was like mm-hmm. just ridiculous. They're listening to you. Oh my gosh, seriously. Um, but, but part of that is that what am I doing? Well, I'm, I'm actually, you know, breathing in a way that, I mean, it does a lot of things, right? But let's just go with heart rate. I'm breathing in a way that slows down my heart rate, right? Well, if, if I've been triggered, if my anxiety has been triggered in some way, maybe an old trauma, maybe just, you know, overload of current, you know, or chronic stress mm-hmm. and, my, and my nervous system's kind of activated and keyed up and my heart is, you know, being fast, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, your thoughts are going to follow what's happening in your nervous system. To be an example, if you walk down a dark alley at night and you feel your kind of shoulders tense up a little bit and you feel your heart rate start to speed up, mm-hmm. right? Um, what are you feeling? Well, you're feeling your fight or flight system going to gear, right? Because you're like going, oh man, some part of me feels like there's some kind of threat here. I feel mm-hmm. a little unsafe. And you feel that physiologically before anything else, right? Mm-hmm. So what happens after you feel it physiologically? After that happens, then, um, you know, all the things that happen in a fight or flight, right? Like your stomach might start to feel a little weird. You start to sweat because your body's going, hey, we're going to perspire ahead of time to keep us from overheating if we're some shits about to go down. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like you start to breathe short, quick hits of oxygen. So you can get oxygen to your brain and your body. Right. So you're ready to respond. Um, your heart rate speeds up, sending, you know, blood where it needs to be. Your hands and your feet might get a little tingly because blood's rushing to vital organs. Your stomach feels a little weird because digestion's not vital in that moment. So it goes into shutdown. It's all fight or flight stuff, right? Wow. It's also panic attack stuff. Right. Right. Um, so, but it, when that stuff starts to happen, then what happens to our thoughts? Our thoughts start to race faster than I'm speaking right now. Um, mm-hmm. Our thoughts start to just race. Mm-hmm. Well, if you think of it through like, uh, you know, uh, evolutionary biology lens, your thoughts start to race because they're running through every option of what you might need to do to save your ass. So like, if like somebody's about to chase you, you know, or whatever, some, some shit's about to go down. I want my thoughts to race so that I run through every option so that I find the right one. Mm-hmm. Make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, five o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday afternoon, you want to sit on your couch. That's not helpful. Then it starts to feel like panic because now all these things are happening in me and nothing, and I'm looking around and I don't see anything unsafe. Right. Right. So when we actually begin to kind of do things that engage like, man, how do I love my body? How do I create safe space for my body? How do I find Mm -hmm. um, a safe home within my physical self and begin to kind of engage? Right. Then you think like something that sounds as like, you know, basic as breath work, well, your breath is the best tool you have to regulate your heart rate. You begin to slow that thing down, your thoughts can race less. I'm not saying this is like this is easy, but that's the goal. Is then that's those are learned things that we get better and better at over time. Mm-hmm. And so we begin to gain the ability, we begin to gain kind of that like, you know, kind of flexibility in the nervous system where then when we do get amped up, we can actually like 
begin to calm ourselves down. That's why like half people smoke, right? It's like the deep, like you're breathing. So Dude, you're the only deep. other person that I've ever heard like bring that up that way. I used to sit in my old office and watch these ladies that smoked in the parking lot, two parking lots down. Mm-hmm. Um, these older ladies would come and they'd stand along this little wall in the shade of a tree three or four times a day. And they wouldn't hold their phones. They would just stand in the shade of that tree and they would always be alone. And they'd smoke a cigarette. And I'm like, I'd watch. And I was like, man, they are taking long, deep, rhythmic breaths. Yeah. Like as slow as they possibly can. Slow inhale, slow exhale. Like if it wasn't full of smoke, there's some crazy healthy breathing right right there. Right? So no wonder. That's part of the release. I'm going to go stand in nature under a tree. Uh I'm going to stand in nature. I'm not going to do anything else. And, And once I light that cigarette, I am allowed to be here mentally for the next eight to 10 minutes. And I'm just here. Breathing slow. And I'm just going to breathe deep. Yeah. For this whole time. Like, man, right? Like, mm-hmm. no, nicotine's addictive, but that's a pretty powerful piece too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So doing things like walking. Yeah. Breath work. Yeah. I mean, yoga. the things that we do to engage our bodies. Um, the hard thing is, is like, I mean, all of us have, like, we all, all of us have some kind of issue with our physical self, Right. Sure. And I'm not just talking about things you don't like, like they're like, you know how, like you think about, like you, you did a degree in psychology, you think about like family relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, I remember you draw like, you know, draw like the little chart, like, you know, the like your family and you kind of draw the connections between like the relationships you have and, you remember, <clears throat> and, and maybe you draw a straight line, a straight thick line. If it's a strong relationship or a jagged line, if it's tenuous. Right. Uh huh. Do you think it's a pretty wild thing to like think about like how would you like how would you how would you kind of draw that as it pertains to how you relate to your physical self? Mm-hmm. Like what kind of you know what are the what are the pieces of whatever tenuousness there is in that relationship? Mm. Right, because we all have it in some way. Right, you know. Um, and I mean, just an example. Like um, I, I, I got trained in free diving by a buddy of mine years ago. In what? Um, free diving, like holding free your diving. breath and diving. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. and we actually took clients. We did some retreats with traditional groups of guys. And mm-hmm. my friend John Dornellis um, is a phenomenal instructor. Um, one of the, he's one of the best in the world. And and he trained us. Uh, and, and in free diving, um, I, I always felt like it'd be therapeutic, and I had no idea how how therapeutic it would be. But the wild thing about it, right? And I speak for most of us as men. When you grow up playing sports, um, you kind of thrive on adrenaline and you thrive on like your heart rate gets up and you push through, you know, you push through based on like tenacity, power, strength, mm-hmm. right? Like that, that's what you, those are the things that you draw. Mm-hmm. Freediving is freaking wild because to do it, you're actually attempting to dive deep. Like in the second day of this course, we're diving 66 feet underwater, you know, holding our breath, right? The whole thing about it is you actually have to slow your heart rate down. You slow your heart rate down. You quiet your thoughts as much as possible. Mm-hmm. You move your body as slow to keep you alive. and as smooth as possible mm-hmm. to use as little oxygen as possible, to be as efficient as possible. And for many of us as men, I was like, this is the opposite mm-hmm. of how we were taught to kind of like be in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, we're taught to like move quickly, with strength mm. that the faster my heartbeat goes, the better it is. We're going to kick the some more ass. more than I can take. Yes. Yes. And so it was like, wait, so I'm doing something that sparks some fear in me, mm-hmm. some significant kind of stress. And yet I actually 
I'm going to have to learn how to calm myself down even more so than I normally am like walking in the store. Yeah. Like, but so that just an example, like and you think about like how we relate to our bodies, it's like, mm. man, just pushing through the pain, you know? Um, I mean, I know so many of us have relationships where when we think of our physical self, it's more of a relationship of punishment. Like the gym is an aspect of punishment, you know, right. diet is an aspect of punishment. Um, we whip ourselves into shape, all that bullshit. Right. Right. Um, and, and, and the thing is, and that exists in the yoga community too. You know, I mean, that totally does. Right. I mean, it exists in the yoga community where you're, you know, you got to do this, do this, and you know, you got to bend this much. You got to, and, and, and you know, you go to get in a class and you're looking and you're like, and all of a sudden you don't realize it, but I'm competing with the guy <laughs> yeah. in the front, you know, and, and the people who are doing handstands before class even starts. And I'm, you know, and so there's all that, like, right. you know, um, and so, so, yeah, I mean, I keep going forever, but, but we think, man, like, what does it look like to get in a healthy, like loving relationship with my mm-hmm. physical self? Um, that, you know, that at times kind of can push me a little bit, um, and, and require me to step into some discomfort and it also, and, and also knows when comfort's mm-hmm. needed, mm-hmm. you know, and what healthy comfort looks like. Wow. Well, sorry, mouthful. No, sorry. it's all good. Thank you so much for diving into that and giving us a lot of insight. That's so much more than I had known or expected and we could talk about it until tomorrow but for for time's sake we're gonna move on a little bit um but thank you for all that you have brought to orlando i mean i know like a lot of people have just had a lot of um great and deep healing with the time that they have spent with you and so like i don't take that lightly i've always thought therapists were heroes and i am so proud that so many folks that we know are in that line of work and that, that like i've experienced you know um, I wouldn't be the person that I am today without the time that I have, you know, and I'm in counseling now. Um, and you're, you know, you're a part of that, of the health and the, and the healing of this community. So thank you for all the work that you put in 16 years that you've been working at it. And I'm so glad that people are now more ad- like able to access it and that they have the um lens of like it like we're talking about kind of not being so stigmatized to say yeah if you had a broken leg you go to the doctor totally right and things in our life sometimes are broken and so we need the the professionals to be able to walk alongside us to be um truthful to us and and lead us in the path of healing so we can have wholeness of the brokenness, you know, and, and every single person has areas, you know, that we could look at, you know, some people have experienced intense traumas and some people, you know, not maybe exactly on that level, but there are ways that we yeah. can always be continually in growth. For sure. So thanks for being a part of that. No, dude, thanks for hanging out. Thanks yeah, for of course. Talking. We're going to talk cool. real quick on the Enneagram. Oh, man. That is always my, a favorite topic yeah. of mine. Um, and I've known you for many years and have known that you are a... I'm a seven. Seven. Oh, yeah. 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 There was parts of me that I thought you were a two. Because um, I know there's a lot of uh, giving in you and a lot of wanting to help people see themselves as the best versions of themselves. and um, but, but knowing, of course, that you're a seven would holistically make sense yeah. in your world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely, um, yeah, I'm pretty serious seven. For right. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you feel like you identify with a wing? 
And I mean, I, I think I, I've, um, I don't go too far down the wing thing. Cause I'm not convinced that like wings are as, um, steady as our kind of number, Main number. so to speak. Yeah. Okay. Um, but, but I mean, I think I've definitely seen myself more leaning as an eight for sure. <laughs> like that's, um, yeah, definitely. And you can hear that eightness, even in the fact that I just said that the, you know, wings probably they change. I don't identify that way. You know, I mean, I definitely, um, it's a very eight thing for me to say. Right there. Sure. So yeah, there you go. Sure. Yeah. Um, I know you're not like super down the Enneagram rabbit hole because it could go on for a millennia, but, yeah. um, kind of how, how have you seen kind of having just that knowledge, uh, how have, has, how did you see that manifest like kind of in your life? Oh, has it been helpful? Um, Oh gosh, it was helpful to realize why like certain friends, if we went and did stuff together, we would come home like hours and hours and hours later than we ever intended to. Um, because you know, a couple of my best friends were sevens. And so <laughs> if we're going on a fishing trip, man, we're fishing right. all day, all day. The amount of times that like, you know, my wife would, you know, get dragged on like, you know, surfing expeditions and, you know, and then we would, you know, get to the car well after dark, um, you know, things like that. Uh, but it was helpful to kind of look back and be like, ah, okay. Yeah. Some serious sevenness uh-huh. that you really got to keep in check at times because you're like, to. man, more is always better. And sometimes you're like, no, more is not better. <laughs> um, but, but I think like understanding, understanding those pieces um, and then being able to kind of go, okay, yeah, there's some pieces of me that left unchecked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I can go, oh my gosh, like, uh, like some of these pieces of me that like, I mean, I love kind of soaking up like times with friends, like um, the, I just kind of dive into that. And I think I lived too much in that for probably a couple of decades um, where that, it kind of enabled me to avoid being with me, so to speak. Uh-huh. Um, and so like a seven integrates to a five, you know, and, um, is it like keeping your calendar busy? So there's no, like, not a lot of like, not so much, just more like, I mean, sevens don't keep calendars. We just do shit. Um, you know, so, I but mean, they, but they want to, well, you have a few things out there. You have the a few things out there that you're living for and planning towards, mm-hmm. you know, um, but spontaneity, always. there's always room for that kind of spontaneity. Right. Um, mm-hmm. because it's always like what's around the bend a little bit. Um, but being able to, so being able to kind of settle in to, okay, what is like, um, what is like the beauty of the normal is pretty like really good for me, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and so even like this aspect of, um, like I was never a runner cause I didn't know that I could fix the things that always hurt when I ran, figure out that you could, um, been, I've been running for like the past year and a half and I like yeah. really love it. Um, but what I love, one of the things I love about it, um, which one of the things is the consistency of what waking up, you know, really early and what the solitude of the road looks like at 5.45 in the morning. Um, and in the past... I am not out there. I, I am not out there at 5.45. I mean, well, I, mean I, we you, don't, I don't even know. I mean, in the past, I'd be like, oh, I, I want to I wanna go I want to go to the gym. I want to go to the beach. But I'm like, I don't want to go by myself, you know. And now I'm like, mm. I want to go by myself, mm-hmm. you know. But being able to find that, like, beauty of, like, mm. you know, just those things that are kind of normal has been really, really good for me. Yeah. Um, and it's been really cool to kind of just balance that with embracing kind of all the pieces of me. Um, this is it, also who I am too. Totally. totally. And that's what, I mean, and you know, Brandon, um, Gant, um, mm-hmm. you know, Brandon, Brandon's one of my best friends and he, he knows Enneagram. He, he's trained, he's a therapist, um, mm-hmm. and you know, great dude. And, um, and, and, and one of the things that, you know, I, I, I've, you know, 
hoped for and prayed for for years. I'm like, I can just not be a very patient person, you know, and having kids and family life and everything. It's just stressful. It's busy, you know, and, and I've always kind of at the same time gravitated towards um, yoga and breath work and all these pieces, you know, and, um, and I was talking to Brandon about it. Um, and, um, I was like, yeah, man, I'm just trying to kind of just embrace more of, you know, just kind of being more, you know, chill, um, you know, and, and he's like, you're just, but you, you're just not, you know, and it reminded me, I had a buddy, well, not a buddy, I had a, I had a therapist years ago to be like, yeah, at first glance, you seem like coming off like this, right. like super relaxed surfer. Back, surfer and he gets yeah. to know you and you are not. And I'm like, but it was funny. Brandon reminded me of that when he said that a couple of years ago, he's like, yeah, but do you ever think like, dude, you're just not chill and that's okay. And I'm like, damn it, man. <laughs> yes. I think that's Okay. <laughs> But you're kind of screwing up my whole, you know, like grasping at trying to be some Zen, you know. Master. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, yeah. Fair enough. But but, but that's what, so Enneagram was helpful for me in that. I'd be like, hey man, here are these pieces of you. My favorite thing about the Enneagram is the paths of integration and disintegration, hands down. A hundred percent. You know, I, I mean, to me. That was mind blowing. Um, yeah. I, I'm not like, I mean, obviously, we, you know, one of our, you know, mutual good friends is, is much more of an expert at it than mm -hmm. I ever will be. Um, but, but the paths of integration and disintegration to me are, um, I find them the most useful, you know, mm -hmm. for myself and people around me, because then you're able to go, yeah, that actually kind of fits. Like when I'm getting like a little bit wonky and I'm kind of, you know, living sideways, that is what it looks like. That's what shows up. You know, and then mm -hmm. when I'm actually kind of like gravitating towards um, what I think of, I don't, I don't really like saying like my best self. I just think more of my whole self. You know, like, cause I, best self just feels to me, it feels pressured. Cause I'm like, part of living as my whole self is sometimes that's a freaking worn out that's version of myself who just, you know, and I kind of think of it, I'm like, I want like, you okay. We can go here for a second. But, um, I always think of like kind of all those different parts of myself and that's my dinner party and they all get to show up. Okay. And it might be like 42 year old dad mode. And then there's like 15 year old me. And then there's like seven year old me. And then there's like probably inside me, there's some 60 year old me that's like kind of coaxing all of us along, you know, but these different pieces of myself and everybody deserves a seat at the table. Right. Just not all of them get to be in charge at once. Yeah. Right. Everybody needs to be heard, you know, in the same way that like, you know, my kids in the backseat of the car, they might be driving me nuts, but they need to be heard. And they deserve to be heard. They need to feel seen and heard. But I sure as hell ain't going to let a nine-year-old drive. You know, mm -hmm. so it's like the, you know, mm -hmm. I, I want to kind of live as my whole self. And there are pieces of me That's that good. are kind of a little bit more integrated and, and healthy than others, you know. Mm -hmm. But I want to I want to recognize the insecure pieces. I want to recognize and own the confident pieces. You know, does that make sense? Totally. So. Yeah, I, I love that. it. I love it. We get to talk another two days on that. Um, but we will wrap up by touching on my ultimate favorite uh, is the subject of rest. Okay. Which most people that sit in that seat say is very difficult for them. Mm. We, you know, have ways. Uh, resting is kind of to step back from the world. Sabbath means to stop working. Um, in running your own business, there can be, yeah. for me, had over the a lot of years feeling like there's never, it's never done. Like yeah. there's always, there's always, more, something. always something, always something, always more to do. Always. There's not, there's not a nine to five right. delineation. And mm -hmm. so a rest is a very, um, 
what is the word? Intentional thing that you have mm-hmm. to say, I am sitting aside this time. Mm-hmm. And whether it's like a half day or a whole day or like a weekend mm-hmm. or like, you know, these things that um, life just creeps up on. Yeah, and, for and, sure. and if there's not like a time that you say, yeah. okay, I'm setting aside yeah. or I'm doing these things intentionally yeah. to have rest. And we all rest in different ways, you know, play, for discover, sure. physical rest. Oh, yeah. What are what are some practices in your life that Oof, help you to actually disconnect? I mean, nature for sure, um, without a doubt. Like I need to be outside Um, and because I can disconnect and it's not rest. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really important. Most of us grasp at our disconnection and we're not actually looking for rest, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, which is where, I mean, Instagram, alcohol, you know, I mean, those are disconnection. That's not rest, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, in the same way. I mean, I heard, I heard somebody saying once I was working with, I was teaching a seminar last year, year before. I don't remember when it was now. 2018? Um, who knows? Um, but um, and it was a group of folks that worked in, in leadership um, corporately over um, Greek life organizations. And that's what I said. He's like, I feel like I talked to all these students and they're like, oh, I'm just, you know, overall, my anxiety is really bad. He's like, so then they just like eat ice cream and watch Netflix for three days and nothing changes. And I'm like, yeah. <clears throat> like, he's like, and they call it self-care. And I'm like, yeah, we call things self-care um, because they're disconnection, not because they're rest. Mm-hmm. Rest has a restorative. Um, I mean, that's that's where the, that's where it comes from, right? It, it has a restorative element to it, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and so it's meant to give us something, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in that sense, another word to describe it is that rest is meant to be healing, in the same way that sleep is meant to be healing. But we all know what <laughs> shitty sleep feels if like. I know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like we know we know the difference between good sleep and bad and, and sleep where you're like, I don't feel like I slept at all. Mm-hmm. Now is it better that it's the better is it better off for whatever it was? Probably, you know. But but so I mean I think it's helpful to think, man, um, what are the unhealthy ways I disconnect? Because I can go, okay, I'm just gonna scroll my phone, I'm just gonna, you know, like um tune out and watch I'm gonna I'm just gonna lose myself and like I mean I oh my gosh I mean I can like read the news and be like what did I just accomplish that was dumb like I mean Hmm. I just like you know I was craving like some you know solitude and just quietness and I just got lost reading news on my phone for 45 minutes Mm -hmm. I am no more rested but for that 45 minutes I felt less stressed which is what reinforces it right Mm -hmm. um externalizing kind of our focus that way feels good you know it feels like a good thing um, so I kind of tend to go, man, what actually feels like rejuvenating? Um, so like actually like going to the beach, um, especially going to the beach with like my family, you know, with Michelle and the kids, um, you know, being on the water, you know, being on the boat, like just being in nature. I'm like really excited for fall and winter. Um, you know, the kids have kind of fallen in love with like exploring like a lot of the trails, um, outside of Orlando. And, and even if it's just kind of driving around in the woods down a dirt road on a cool day, mm-hmm. I crave that. That is truly restful for me. Mm. Um, um, fiction books are also really restful for me. Um, those pieces are really, really, really Same. good. Um, Can you tell me what you're reading right now? Um, right now, um, oh gosh, what did I start? Well, right now I'm reading um, I'm reading a, a memoir on fly fishing. Um, oh gosh, what's it called? It's by David. Coggins, not Goggins, um, C-O-G-G-I-N-S. Um, but last week I finished uh, Max Brooks' new book, Devolution, okay. um, which is, um, and this is in the description, it's not reading anything, but it's about a community of um, people that live in like a little eco town um, in the shadow of Mount Rainier and Mount Rainier erupts and the people in the town are attacked by a band of Sasquatch. And it oh, is yeah. phenomenal. If you've never, and, and I would actually highly suggest listening to it and not reading it. 
Okay. Um, Max Brooks um, usually has a full cast recording for his audiobooks, and they are wonderful um, in their storytelling and in their character development. It's so entertaining, man. Okay. It's so great. Um, yeah, everybody looks at me like, wait, what? I'm like, oh no, trust me. Yeah. Absolutely entertaining. <laughs> but that's really restful for me. Um, yeah. You know, and then like running down, running through my neighborhood at 6 a.m. in the dark sure. is incredibly restful. Okay. I love it. Yeah. Thanks so much for spending some time with Thanks me. Thanks for having me. And um, where very would... cool. What? This is very cool. I enjoy Very it. cool. Is It is very cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, where might people find you on the interwebs if they're wanting to find what you're up to or how to find your yeah. practice or... I'm a notoriously um, non-poster often, mm-hmm. um, unfortunately. But... Um, you can find our, our counseling. Our counseling practice is Solace Counseling. Um, I'm on Facebook and my Instagram. I think it still is um, Old Ironic. It was named by an 11 year old, like 12 years, 10 years ago. Um, yeah, long story. Okay. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's on there. Okay. So cool. I will say one other thing I, w- I would say, you know, if people want kind of more info on like yoga, uh, and you're either like a yoga instructor or, you know, like fitness professional or just mm-hmm. somebody who's going, man, how do we integrate this? Like in terms of mental health, um, there's an organization called Blue Matter Project, B-L-U without the E, okay. um, out of Toronto. And, um, and I teach some curriculum for them with a few of my friends from up there. Yes. Um, and we teach it on, and we transferred all our conferences online. Okay. Um, for the time being, um, and we're doing one in November, um, and it's it's really good stuff. It's like a whole primer on mental health, but then some mm-hmm. really practical application into what does this look like as a yoga instructor, both as an individual and also in terms of like a studio setting. How do we do this in a way that is really trauma informed? There's all kinds of things that people say are trauma informed, um, but we kind of like to think of it like I, I can be trauma informed in like the way that I practice, but to I kind of think we really also need to be like mental health informed. Like it's helpful to understand what our trauma actually is. What's depression? What's anxiety? How do they affect the body and the mind and the self? Yeah. And then how do we, so so Blue Matter Project, people can look that up. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. I did want to say for this um, episode, especially that if um, anybody is listening that has um, interest in mental health, one, we are all there with you. Like you are not Mm -hmm. alone. I feel like I've just like want to say that all the time right now. It's like, totally. If you sure. feel extra things, um, I feel like we're all feeling that. So you're not alone in that. And then if you have any interest in counseling, we would be, I would be happy to send you any information to find a, yeah. a great match. There are tons of resources out there. There's so many good counselors. So many good counselors that we yeah. have access to in mm-hmm. this, in this area and or telehealth. Yeah. Well, um, and there, yeah, there's telehealth options. You know, there's, yeah. there's great people all around. There's no, there's not a shortage of options anymore. Yep. Yeah. Which is, which is such a huge, yeah. huge blessing. Um, but thank cool. you for spending some time thank you. until the next time. Next time. Yeah. Thank you a million times over for listening to cocktails and conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate comment and subscribe for more cocktails and conversations? 